Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Kosh, and this is the Creative Breakthrough Podcast. This podcast was created to eliminate the starving artists and give artists the codes to build cash flow, how to build audiences, and make a living doing what you love. On this episode, I have Plant Curator, and she has other titles as well, but her name is Brie Anna Saint Holder, otherwise known as Ear Garden. And she is here today. Thank you for joining me. I decided I think my, I want my other title to be Vibe Engineer. Fire. Okay, great. I was going to ask you, how would you describe yourself in one phrase? So you already answered that question. I'm a Vibe Engineer. Vibe Engineer. Okay, how would you describe yourself in one word for people who don't know you? Grateful. Okay, fire. I love that. Okay. So let's get into it. When do you think you achieved your first creative breakthrough in life? Okay, I think that I achieved my first creative breakthrough. And I actually don't remember it. But my aunt told me this story, like actually like last year. And she told me about the time that I first heard I first saw a vinyl player. And I was in her friend's house. And I was so amazed mm -hmm. by this vinyl player. And I was like, she put down, she put the needle down and I was like, oh my God, it's music coming out of that. And I feel like my world expanded after that. And I've always loved music. So I think that was like my first creative breakthrough. I don't remember it, but I know in my soul that it's meaningful. How old were you? Probably like seven. Fire. Okay. Now tell me, cause I think I was here for this. Tell me when you had your first creative breakthrough with Ear Garden. Okay. For everyone who joined, let me tell you what Ear Garden is before we get started. Okay, so let me tell you, I started Ear Garden at first because I decided that I wanted to start a music blog. I was like, I was talking to my dad in his studio and I was like, I wanna start a music blog and I'm gonna call it Groovy Bree, okay? He was like, absolutely not. I don't know if y'all know the artist Sage Guillory, but he was actually in my dad's studio as well and they were both like, absolutely not. Um, and so, I was like, but I want it to be about all kinds of music and I want it to be about growth and I'm going to write about how transformative all of these festivals are that I go to and all these concerts because I go to a lot of concerts. But then I realized that I have to write if I'm going to be a blogger. And I didn't want to do that shit because I'm not really, I don't love writing. And so I, I, cha I changed all my platforms to Ear Garden. And I was like, I got to keep it. I love the name. I love the name. I want a music blog called Ear Garden. I don't know how I'm going to incorporate music because I don't want to write into a blog. But I decided I was going to call it Ear Garden. Well, a couple years later, I get my first apartment and I fall in love with plants. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm always listening to music. I was creating all these playlists and I have all these plants in my home. And so like my two passions, both music and plants are married, but now plants are just taking over, but music is gonna be back in the picture soon. And when that happened, what year was that and how old were you? When what happened? When plants became your new obsession. I was 25. And what year was that? 2017, cause I just did the math. Okay, fire. Okay, so now that you've given us the synopsis of Ear Garden, when did you have your first creative breakthrough with Ear Garden? What do you mean by creative breakthrough? The same thing I meant when you told me about the needle being put on the record player when you were seven. Let me tell you when I had my first creative breakthrough. So I was in my home and I had a lot of plants. Like I'm talking about like maybe in my 525 square foot apartment, let's just say 
because I don't want to sound too obsessive. Let's just say that I had give or take 75. I had 75 plants. Some are very big and some are small in my apartment. And I was just sitting in my living room and I'm like, wait a minute, this feeling, I want everyone to feel it. So I'm gonna start bringing plants to parties. And I'm like, how am I gonna do that though? You gonna bring plants to parties? So you gonna take plants to MJQ? That's, that's what you're gonna do? And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take plants to parties because I want everyone to feel the way I feel. I wanna have these rooms where there's all these plants and I want people to be able to just be wherever they are and they can walk into this space and it's a transformative plant space. And that's when I had my first creative breakthrough. I didn't do it until a year later, but that's, that became my goal. Okay, so a year later, what did that look like? So a year later, my very good friend Karina was having an art show called Forbidden Knowledge. And she was like, Brie, I want you to bring your living room. I have all these rooms in this. And it was a telephone factory loft. And she's like, I have all these rooms and I want you to just make this whole room a plant set. And I'm like, absolutely, it's a party and I'm bringing plants to it, which is what I said I wanted to do a year ago. That's exactly what I want to do. And so over a thousand people went to that event. And so I started getting jobs from there. Like my first, that was a, I, that was an unpaid event, but I was like, I know even though it's unpaid that I'm putting like, I'm getting paid by the universe to do this because I'm sharing my talents with the world. And it was really cool because I got my first plant installation gig by this man who lived in this beautiful loft. And he paid me to do an installation in his home. And he randomly walked up to that event. And what did you make off that installation? Okay, so I charged him. We're not gonna talk about what I charged him. I charged him like 150 and he was like, this is a service. That's cheap, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know, this is my first time ever doing this. I actually don't even know what I'm doing right now. And so he gave me 250. And it okay. was very simple installation. I installed like a 12 foot cactus in his home. And then I did a few things on his patio and it, it didn't take me long, it took me like three hours. And I was like, you just gave me 250 and it only took me three hours to do this. I've never gotten paid that much from something that I like to do. So to answer your question, that's when I had my first grade breakthrough. No, I love that. And you said something that you didn't dive deep into because you're thinking about the story. That goes back to the point of this podcast, which is like, doing it scared, but also doing it unsure. Like you didn't know, all you knew, all your idea was, is I want to bring plants to parties. And then the alignment came in the form of that event. And then from there, you started to make money doing that. So I was always very much a homebody. Like I'm, I was, I'm from Atlanta. I lived in Atlanta my entire life. And until I had Ear Garden, I did not put myself out there. So I meet people who are also from Atlanta, like that are like, I didn't know you were from here because I was just never out there like that. So I decided I was having a conversation with my friend Saray and I was like, I'm going to start putting myself out there more and I'm going to start saying yes, because I was a no ass motherfucker. No, I'm not doing it. I don't want to go. I'm not interested. No, thank you. I'm good. I'm got to work. But I'm like, if I'm going to do ear garden, if I'm going to bring plants to parties, I guess that means I have to go to parties, which means I have to start saying yes. And so I think it was a combination between me saying yes, which I said way too many yeses. Yeah, you definitely did. But I had to say yes too many times to know what the no's needed to be. But I said way too many yeses. I got out of control with the yes. I overdosed on the yes. But saying yes was transformative. I wouldn't take it back because it was very transformative to me because I just started doing all this stuff that I never even thought that I was capable of doing. And I was just like, 
yeah, you want me to paint a backdrop for your party? I've never painted before, but I guess I'm about to do it because I'm saying yes. I couldn't say no. I told Saray I couldn't say no. I'm so, glad you brought that up because that was when I met you for the <laughs> first time. How far between when you did the installation for the guy and then you did Oso's event for A3C where me and you met? That I would say that was about a year later. Okay, fire. And then yeah. have you, did you do more paid projects in that time span? I did, I think. Okay. But the price was what, 250 I wasn't worried about the price. It was just whatever. I would have did it for free. Okay. Because I wanted to do it. My dad taught me something very young, which is that you can't look at every transaction like an immediate transaction. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that, like, even when I was telling him these things, because he was coming and helping me set up, both of my parents were helping me set up these events. I knew that I was contributing to, like, the bank of my life and that that doesn't always transfer into immediate withdrawals because I'm right now I'm in a deposit. I knew that when I started Ear Garden, I'm depositing. This is not about withdrawals. This is about the deposit. And even if the only th withdrawal that I get is the fact that I'm proud of myself for doing something, I'm okay with that being the withdrawal. But I'm in depositing stage, so I wasn't worried about money. Because honestly, I was getting paid like 350 for installations, but I was spending 500 on materials. So I wasn't, it was like they were giving me 350, but I'm like, thanks for helping me buy my materials, but I just want to make this good. So that's what I was concerned about. I so wasn't concerned about the money. Yeah, but no, I should have been because let me tell you something. I was a server at the time and I wasn't, I had no money in my account. But it wasn't, but it, but see what you did there, and we're going to get into this was you set yourself up to receive the back pay in abundance. I don't even want to say it's back pay. It's just about understanding that the world is not like we live in a very white capitalistic society. And so everything has to be immediate. But for me, the immediate benefit was the fact that I was fucking doing it. Yeah. Like, I'm always yeah. going to want to get paid because I'm a tourist and that's what we're about. But I'm also okay with getting paid later. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you totally. In addition to that, people need to look at success as who did I meet and what did I learn from this? And will those relationships continue to help me in the future? And help could literally just be like a friendship, right? Help could be like somebody giving you resources for something else. So that's what you went into it with the mentality of. And so you really can't fail or you can't flop when you approach things like that because you know that everything's for your greater good. And the things that come from what the work you're putting in right now are going to continuously benefit you for the rest of your life. First of all, Bishop Eargarden, Bishop Bree, you just dropped like big bars. But now I want to get into... Let's get into how you built your garden and what you failed at as you built it. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that's really funny. If you ever want to know who you are as a person, build something that you just decided to build out on a whim. Start a business. Bring a creative project to life because you're going to really get to know yourself in a way that is very transformative very you're going to surprise yourself with how many things you do or how and just the way that you think about things so what was your question again i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay i was saying walk us through how you built like free plants right how you built your garden because free plants was a big part of that 
And also a little bit about how you built your platform on Instagram. But mainly, I want to get into where you failed at as you did that along the way. So I know we talked earlier about how I wanted to start Your Garden as a music blog, but it ended up turning into me wanting to bring plants to parties. And then I got a very positive response from me creating these plant sets. So then I decided to just post as much content as possible about plant care. Because I realized that a lot of people, they were asking me basic questions, what I thought was basic. They're asking me questions like, how do you keep a snake plant alive? What kind of plant should I get for my space? So I was like, oh, people really don't know how to keep their plants alive. So I just shared my knowledge. I wasn't afraid, even though I wasn't like technically a botanist or technically I didn't go to school for horticulture. I read hella books on houseplant care. And so I just wasn't, number one, I wasn't afraid to share the knowledge that I had. And number two, I, it was rewarding for me so for people to be like, oh my God, like my snake plant stayed alive because you taught me how to water. I was watering it every day. And now I know I can, I only need to water it every once in, once every week and a half. And so on, on a platform, like on Instagram, that's how I built Ear Garden was just through sharing my plant knowledge with the world. Free plants is something that came years after I started talking about plant care during the pandemic because I had a lot of good relationships with different plant shops in Atlanta because I was shopping with them for my installations. I was posting about them because it's a lot of plant shops in Atlanta that I was always showing love to on my Instagram. And I was like, I randomly, cause you know how I am. If y'all don't know how I am, I think of things on a Thursday and I want to do it on Sunday. If it doesn't happen that next Sunday, I'm not doing it because I'm bored now. I've moved on to the next thing. And so basically on a Thursday, no, it was like on a Tuesday I had tweeted I'm gonna give some plants away. Also, I had a plant studio, but during the pandemic, I wasn't getting any gigs. So I had all these extra plants, all these extra like cuttings, I had all this extra pottery. And I'm like, I need to get rid of all this stuff. And so I was like, I'm just gonna give away my plants. So I had my friend who is a graphic designer. She did a lot of graphic design for your garden. I was like, I need you to like, by tomorrow, make me a flyer that says I'm giving away free plants in Atlanta. I've probably had 100 plants. And by 100 plants, meaning I had 100 bottles that I could put cuttings in. I had to take some plants that I had for my house. I have I probably had 100 plants in my house at the time. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be some people that come out. Like, I'm probably going to end up having to walk on the belt line and give those plants away. I don't even know how many people are going to come. We're in a pandemic. I get why people wouldn't want to come. Anyway, it was 500 people there. Okay. And, and I only had 300 plants and half of those plants were gifted from plant shops. And so I started free plants just because people really showed me love. They came out, they wanted their plants. It was very rewarding for me to see that like something as simple as me giving away free plants could garner that much attention and people could really fuck with me because I did that. And so that's how I started it. And yeah, it was great. It was amazing. I still can't believe how many positive things came from free plants. But I just knew that during the pandemic, people needed to pick me up. And I knew that I had to get rid of my plants. And I'm the kind of person that if I say that I don't want everything to be capitalistic, I have to mean that. So what do you mean by that? That means you're going to give it away for free. You're going to you're going to ask businesses to give you something where capitalism is not involved. You're not selling any anything. You're not doing anything like that. You were going to give these plants away for free because that's what I said I was about. That was so your mission. I'm proud of myself because the pandemic really taught me that I'm real as fuck and I really mean what I say because I could have easily made hella money off that event. But I'm like, that's not what it's about. I want to give these plants away because people need free shit.
Yeah, that was your mission and the market or the audience of people responded to that. And I love what she said in the comments, black people waiting in the pouring rain for plants does not happen if they don't fuck with you. And that literally happened. So. Because of the second one, I was saying, Zaire, he knows how to count people. I don't. I was like, I don't know. I think it's 700 people. He was like, Bree, it's 1,500 people here. So at the second one, it was 1,500 people. Because that's what Zaire said. Yeah, God. the calculus god. Okay, so that's incredible, right? Like, just, I think even speaking to your ability to want to give, like your ability over the years to just want to give and just put the work in and just try to do something that you were passionate about came back to you in a lot of ways through that. And something that I was raised off of that both my mom and my dad told me is that loyalty is where the love is. So Mm. when you pour your love out, that's how you get loyalty. That's how you get people who really will vibe with you. That's how you find your tribe. Loyalty does not come before love. You have to give out what you want to receive. And so I knew that's just how I live my life. And so I'm grateful that I was able to do it in a way where I could see thousands of people come out from something that like was a concept that I learned as a child. Yeah, you provided value to people. You always were willing to give value. And you did that with me too when we met and we started working together and you were doing set design and you were killing it. Oh, also, I want to give you your flowers because I met Kosh. We met at an event and I'm like, okay, me and Saray talked about it. I have to start putting myself out there. At the time, I was never the kind of person to do this. I was like, can we meet up? I see that you're a videographer. I had an idea that I'm still going to make happen. I haven't told anyone about it. But I had an idea that I wanted to do. And I was like, I think Kosh could help me. And we ended up having a great relationship. And I told Kosh that I wanted to be a set designer. And he was like, okay, you can be a part of the set design team. And like, that was an expansive experience for me. Because I'm like, wait, I'm a set designer? This is so cool. I can design sets? And sometimes things are just that easy. You put yourself out there, you meet somebody who fuck with you, you fuck with them, and then it's done. Yeah, facts. I I love that. And also, you jumped right into it head first. So going back to this point, this overarching theme of this podcast about like, doing a scared, overcoming imposter syndrome, as much as you deal with imposter syndrome from time to time, from what I know, from having a relationship with you, I also think you have a strong affinity to dive headfirst into things and just do before you think about it a lot of times. Oh, if it requires a lot of thinking, I'm not about to do it. That's my problem. Okay. So as soon as the thought has to come in, I'm like, I'm aboard next project. I don't want to think about that shit. If it's not by the first time, and even if it wasn't by the first time, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Because as soon as I start putting a lot, okay, this is one of my... Again, we talked about like lessons that you learn from starting some, starting things. So I found out at 29 that I have ADHD. So I thought that something was wrong with me. Cause I'm like, I have, I don't understand. Like I get so passionate about things. And then immediately, as soon as I do it to the best of my ability, I'm over it. And I think that has happened in so many aspects of my life. And even like you saying that my ability to dive head first into things, it's that's because I'm in that. Number one, because that's my personality, but also like I'm in this like, it's new and it's fun and it's cool. And then as soon as it starts to like require work. Okay. (laughs) As soon as it starts to require me to have to think about my process, I get in a fearful state and I'm working on right now, this part of my life is about working on just like slowing down 
and cultivating like my talents and abilities in a way that's sustainable. Yeah, it's just a new season. It's a new season, period. No, no pun intended. Okay, so where did you fail with Ear Garden? Tell us all the failures. I would say that if I could do things differently, because you know what Will Smith said, I fail forward. If I could have done things differently, number one, I would have put my personality out there a lot more. I did not, no one heard my voice on my Instagram until maybe 2020. Until me. Until Kosh was like, you have a personality that people need to see. I never, I did not talk on my Instagram. Even if I had video, it was music over. Because I just, that just wasn't where my mind was. I was just like, this is about the plants. This is not really about me. And so I think that's one mistake I made. People didn't really know my personality. To this day, I still don't really talk like that unless it's in an environment like this. But I need to start talking more because I'm dropping some facts right now. Panels. But I also made the mistake of I wasn't charging enough. During the pandemic, that was a very transformative year. I made the most money I ever made off Ear Garden in 2020. And I wasn't doing installations because I started doing all these corporate classes. Y'all, please tell me why I was, first of all, I'm, can I say the name of the school? Remember, we use in my house at this time. If you want to give them visibility. So anyway, a major top 30 school in the United States asked me to teach a class to their faculty, a plant class. University, correct? The university. Yeah. In Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, this is a top probably 30 school in America. I was going to charge them $150. That's what I emailed them back. Luckily for me, it didn't happen because the pandemic, I couldn't go in the school. Like it was supposed to happen in March, but I wasn't charging enough. I didn't know what to charge. I was afraid of all my friends who were saying charge thousands. I'm like, that's not possible for me. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about more than what they know. It's not about it more than a PhD candidate who in botany, you know more than what they know. They want you, they already did the work. They want you to be there. I charge him, I was gonna charge him $150. Now, at this point in my life, I'm charging like 5,000 for a corporate class, but I had to learn later on that I could do that. One mistake I made was that I wish I would have asked my community, like just people that I knew, more questions. So I had a friend who was in HR, so he was in charge of like people who would come into his, to his company and teach classes or do all kinds of like talks and shit. So I told him one time that I charge a company $1,500. He was like, Brie, we pay people $5,000 for an hour long class. What are you talking about? And I'm like, but I don't think I can charge that much. He was like, that's because you don't think you can, but that doesn't mean that's what they can't pay. Like you underpaying yourself already. So that's a mistake I made. I also made the mistake of not, of being afraid of, I see. I also made the mistake of, I was too afraid of some things. Like I, I was almost too afraid of my success. Sometimes I have this thing where as soon as shit starts turning up, like I used to tell myself that it's almost too good. So I would stop myself before it started. I made that mistake several times. Sounds um, like imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, absolutely. I think that's solid. I think okay. you gave, I think you gave a good bit. So I wanna circle back just a second to charging and you said it didn't work out that was in my opinion that was god protecting you from that opportunity because you didn't charge what you were worth and now you're saying you charge five thousand for a corporate class now 
you mentioned something in that by saying, I wasn't charging enough because I didn't feel like I was a PhD in botany. And what I want people to understand that are listening is that all business is a trade of information. Like you're paying somebody who has more information than you. So the big word for it would be called arbitrage. But it's if you need your car fixed, you go to the mechanic and you pay the mechanic whatever they tell you to pay because they have the knowledge that you don't. And it works the same way for creative people. Bree had the knowledge about how to take care of plants and many other things related to horticulture. And she just didn't recognize what her worth was because she was living in imposter syndrome at that time. And like her friend mentioned to her by saying, the reason why you're not getting this is because you don't think you're worth this. So I hope that this part inspires you to just charge more money, just charge more like then whatever you're charging. And if you're afraid of that, start with adding 10 to 20 to 30% of what you charge right now. Take 10, 20 or 30% of that and just add it to what you charge right now. This is my personal opinion. This is not how everyone feels, but like I'm, I charge these white people so that I don't have to charge black people. And so getting paid $5,000 by so-and-so company gives me the Privilege. opportunity and the financial comfort to not have to charge someone that I don't feel like I should have to charge because we're in this together. And so I think that's where it's like, I had an excellent opportunity to be able to do a lot of corporate classes. And so when free plants came around, when it was time for the next free plants, I'm not even thinking about money because I made the money that I need. But I also believe in not being too greedy. Yeah, it's a balance. Like my role, my goal in life is not just to make the most money. I'm trying to be happy. I'm trying to be able to sleep at night. And so I think that if my goal is to help black people feel good in their space through plants, then I'm gonna charge the fuck out these white companies so I can give away plants for free. Fire. Naturally Glowing asks, what steps did you take to overcome not asking for more? Okay, so all of your friends who you know believe in you, you call them on three ways. And you say, I'm writing an email right now. I need you to write it for me. I'm scared. And then someone else is at your house and they press send. Literally what happened when Kosh was in my house. Like you have to, you can't do it all on your own. That was even a situation that happened recently. I was going to ask a company for, I really don't like to put like, I was going to ask a company for four figures. I called my friends on three-way. They were like, ask for five figures. Five figures. But I'm like, I've never asked for that. I've never asked for that. I'm not about to ask for that. And they were like, ask for it so that you can get the max amount. This is a company. This is a major brand. They, you, can, you need to figure out however much you can get from it. And so I literally had them on the phone. I typed what they said, and I sent it. And then I ended up getting five figures. But I called the people who I know believe in getting that money instead of relying on myself. So honestly, to this day, if I even like when I got my corporate job, I called my friends who had been negotiators before and they were like, this is what you need to ask for. It's all about really not just relying on your community. Shout out to Donnie because you're one of the people. Marquise also shout out to you. Saray, I don't know if you're in here. Shout out to you. But it's also just we look at like asking for help in a way of I'm going to ask someone for someone's help. It's like a form of physical labor. Ask for your friend's help who know how to ask for money. If you're not that kind of person, 
Ask your friends who are those kind of people. Facts. The same 100%. way people ask me about plant information because they know I know is the same way that I ask my friends who know about negotiating because they know. Yeah, and we're not going to, when it comes to approaching big brands or big brands approaching you, however that goes down, I would always encourage you to never approach it from a place of scarcity. They have the money. And if they don't have the money that you want, say you ask a brand for 50000 I learned this from Donnie. If they met his 30, but you asked for 20 because you were asked, scared to ask for 50, they had 30 allotted. You asked for 20. They're not going to give you 30. And I would say that another mistake that I made, I didn't approach more brands. I waited for brands to approach me. I regret doing that because, for example, I want everyone, when we're done with this, I want everyone to go look at the UPS website. I want y'all to go look at the UPS website. This is a major brand. Look at their website. That is a bullshit website. It's not good. UPS is a major brand. And then I started realizing, like, if UPS is okay with putting this out there and it's not perfect, why the fuck am I afraid? I got better ideas than their creative team. Look at, they don't, their commercials are fucking trash. Customer service is not even good. I'm a better person than the CEO of UPS. I should be allowed to pitch to these brands. First of all, I think also as creatives, we have better ideas than these corporate brands. They have terrible ideas. Look at, watch a commercial. Were you moved? No, you are more moved by your friend's content. And I think that this fear of like corporations, they don't know what they're white. They're white. Okay. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. They have terrible fucking ideas, lack of creativity. And so I think that I was afraid to pitch to brands and that was about my worth. And I thought that the brands were better than me. I'm better than them. I'm wow. the opportunity. They're not, the they have the opportunity to work with me. They're not giving me an opportunity to work for them. Fuck their products. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to share my message with the world through them. But Hoka, if you're watching this, I actually really do fuck with y'all because y'all changed my life and I want to work with y'all. I really like y'all's shoes. For real. Like I really fuck with y'all for real. Who is that? Hoka. Oh, okay. The shoe brand. And so, yo, first of all, Bishop Bree, that was, you just spitting like straight flames, right? And secondly, you said something at the end that people need to pay attention to as well, which is she just brought up a shoe brand that she likes and she just shouted them out. If there's brands that you use every day, those are the people you can reach out to because you already have a natural affinity to use that thing. And it's gonna be easier for you to create content for them for it because you're already like a user. You're already a customer of that brand. Especially like if you're a content creator, if you're on that realm of creativity, like one thing that I stand by is that you have to be okay with saying no to people who reach out to you. And I think that we're in this space right now where everyone wants to be a content creator. So they're just like, one of the reasons why I took a step back from Ear Garden is because it was turning into something that I didn't necessarily want it to be, which is an opportunity for white corporations to sell their product through something that I built organically. Diversity I, cloud. Not really, that's not really my vibe. Ear Garden is very near and dear to me and it's just not an opportunity for white people to make money off of it. I was not afraid. I got approached by brands all the time. If I'm not aligned, it's enough. I had to stand 10 toes down in my, um, who I was as a person, but I also have a great example because my parents have stayed black, remain black, and they make a lot of money. So I had that example of just like staying rooted in who you are and how there's abundance in that. Yeah. Facts on that. And one thing I wanted to bring up around your brand 
advice is I made a YouTube video on my channel. You can find it in the link in my bio and it's how to get brand deals as a black creator because I've literally worked with clients whose brands have the word black in them. That's how black they are. And I've helped them get brand sponsorships and brand partnerships. And part of how it works in the video is reaching out to these brands and asking them if they're interested in working with creators of color. This is just me being honest. Kasha and I have been friends for a very long time. I don't really like fuck with white people like that. But Kasha is someone that I just, a white man that I decided to honestly let into my life. You know how people be like, negotiate like with the confidence of a white man. A mediocre, <laughs> mediocre white man. It's a mediocre white man. And I'm not calling you mediocre, Kasha. No, I know. Like I'm saying but negotiate like with that. Kasha. Your perspective on things was very different than a lot of ways that I looked at it. And that was beneficial for me. Oh, well, thank you for that. To just finish up what I was saying about, are you willing to work with creators of color? These brands, and I've sat in these meetings, so I've seen this firsthand. These brands that are primarily white brands, they don't want to look like they're not inclusive. They don't want to look like they're ignoring black people. They don't want to look like they're silencing, quote unquote, silencing your voice. So it gets very squeamish in these meetings. And it's funny because people are just afraid of saying the word black. But I bring that up to say using your diversity clout as leverage, if you're comfortable with doing that, because that's what they're trying to do anyway for you. I would encourage you to think about that when you approach these brands as well. I don't necessarily believe in diversity clout. It's, that's not the way that I like to look at things. And that's I don't like to put certain language on things because then mm -hmm. it just gets white capitalistic. But like just look at everybody like they're your equal, even a brain. I like that. We're working together. You with it or you're not. I bring that up just because the reasons could be done with ill intention. So that's why, so it's like, when I say I encourage you to use that, it's a threshold. Like you have to look at the brand and do some research and be like, does this feel authentic more than just money, more than just whatever this opportunity is? Because if you're Let's just use like a crazy example. If Papa John's comes to you before Shaq owns it and they want to work with you and you're a black creator and you know that the founder and the creator of Papa John's is a known racist, then you might want to take note of that and probably not work with those people. Okay, so this is a perfect segue. So how do you make money doing what you love? You're asking me how do I do that for you? Yes, yeah. Oh. How does Bree Saint make money doing what she Okay, I would do plant installations in people's homes. I would do content creation. I work with brands. That's how I make money. That's how Your Garden made, has made a lot of money. By creating content, doing plant installations, doing set design gigs with Kosh. That's how I made my money. That's how I continue to make money. But right now, y'all, I've got a corporate job. And I do ear garden on the side. I got a little burnt out. I got a little burnt out. I did a lot. I did a lot very quickly. And I'm very grateful for everything I do. But I got very tired. And I also stopped creating content. And this is, I'm not trying to scare anybody. But I used to put my home on, like, the inside of my home. Not really the outside that much. But I put the inside of my home a lot on my Instagram. And I had a stalker. And I stopped creating content after that. Because it got very weird. And so it just changed my perspective on things. And like when you're putting yourself on the internet, like I had a stalker that came to my home, to my front door several times. And when that happened, it just changed my relationship with the internet. And like, you're really putting yourself out there. 
And yeah, I just, that was scary for me. And it's taken me a minute to like, recover from that. I'm not rushing it. And yeah, but that's how I made money. I did plant installations. What's crazy is I said I wanted to bring plants to parties. I started making money by literally doing installations at parties, creating content, doing corporate plant classes. And I was just saying yes to things, all kinds of shit. I used to have a studio. I had a studio in, in Summer Hill and I would teach plant classes out of that studio. And I would have like office hours and stuff and people would come and I would give them plant advice and stuff like that. So those are the different streams of income that you can do as someone who's creative and in plants. What about virtual consultations? Oh, shit, I forgot I did that. Damn, see, that's what happens when you move fast sometimes. I did, I did virtual plant consultations for during the pandemic. I never thought I would do something like that, but basically I put flyers out there online and I would do consultations for $150 and people would take me around their home and I would give them a document telling them like this particular plant we talked about you're feeling ninja having this issue this is what you should do these are the kind of fertilizers you use and so i did plant consultations throughout the pandemic fire not you remembering what i did that's what i, mean, I don't have a website so i don't really know all of my offerings also that's another <laughs> mistake i made i don't have a website yet well it's not necessarily a mistake i don't want people to get caught up on so that's the only place that on this call that i would disagree with you a little bit because i don't have a website either but i don't want people to get caught up on a website because now you don't need a website to make money. Like Brie said, Brie is making money from people contacting her through social media for her to create content and do sponsorships. For me, I don't have a website, but I have Calendly. So if you wanted to work with me, you could click the link and go to Calendly and book a call with me. And then we could see if it's a good fit for us to work together. But yeah, so you don't necessarily need a website, but you need somewhere online that people can Like that can mailing list that you with. told me to start that I have 500 subscribers and I haven't sent one mail? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's <laughs> another tactic for another day. I know Bishop Bree over here dropped all the scriptures so far, but I just want to see... If y'all got anything. Ask me anything. Do you feel like caring for plants is a form of therapy? Yes. Yes. I'll be announcing very soon with a great friend of mine, Donnie, that we're starting a podcast where we talk about how plants are therapy and what growth looks like in all different forms. So before I get into that, y'all got to just listen to the podcast because we talk about that. Okay. We got, what does ear garden look like music wise? That's a great question. Okay, so I have this idea for a series that I wanna do called Ear Garden Friends. And I love to talk about music. Like I wanna talk about music all the time. I could do it. I wanna talk about every aspect of it. I love music so much. I like hearing about other people's favorite songs. And I just wanna talk about people's favorite songs with them. So I've been working on a concept called Ear Garden Friends, where literally each episode I have a friend come over and we talk about music. That's what it looks like right now. And if that wasn't the answer to that question, what are, what is the music you listen to look like? Oh, I listen to everything. I listen to everything. And I know people say that I listen to everything. I literally listen to everything. That's a fact. Someone said, how did you find your passion? I'm so glad someone asked this because I was talking to my friend DJ about this the other day. My passion is the fact that I like having fun. And so whatever medium I can do that through, that's what I, it, that's not an actual, I'm passionate about plants, I like it, but I have to accept the fact that my passion for plants, could, I could wake up tomorrow and not wanna do that shit because that's how my mind works. So my passion is just finding a new thing for me to have fun. 
my passion is to have a great time. Okay, we got more. What's three things you've learned about yourself through your journey? That I am, I'm very, I'm a magician. I'm very powerful. I can, whatever I put my mind to, I'm very capable of doing it. All I have to do is say it. I've learned that I'm good at marketing. I didn't realize that. I didn't even know that was something that I could do. I never, I'm in my first corporate drive right now. I'm 30. I got my first corporate drive at 29 and it's in marketing. And I never even considered that that could be like a corporate route that I could take. And I realized that through your garden that I'm good at marketing. And I also realized that I'm very good at relating to people. And um, I realized I'm good with plants. I'm good at plants also. I didn't realize that I was good at plants. And then I started taking care of hundreds of things. We got a question from your dad. Can plants feel positive and negative energy from people? I hate to tell y'all this. I hate to tell y'all this, but I think they can because one of my exes, her plants would die all the time. Not a great person. Next question. If you were... <laughs> you can't keep plants alive. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> what song lives rent-free in your head? Today... I'm living the single life. That's been in my head. I can't get it out. Can you get the artist name, please? Cameo. And the song name? Single Life. Because you know there's young people on here, bro. They don't know. They, everybody in this, they real. They know that song. What, which zodiac sign would you give a dying plant to because they are ratchet and belong together? I love all the signs. That was a very, like, PC answer, but okay. I um, love all the signs. I give away free plants, no matter the sign. What advice would you give to folks trying to dive into being creative? Start posting about it and see where your mind goes. Write in your journal. You know what it is? If you want to be creative, try to be in service of people. Figure out how you can spread your message to people who you feel like need to hear it. And experiment with different things. That wasn't what I was saying, but okay. All right. Tell everyone on here how they can connect with you outside of Instagram because I put this podcast on all the podcasting platforms. So how do we connect with you? You can connect with me on Instagram, Eargarden, E-A-R-G-A-R-D-N. On Twitter at Eargarden underscore. I'm so excited that we did this. I'm so excited that we did this. Thank you. I'm going to wrap it up. Do you have anything else you want to say before I wrap it up? All things align. Gang. Okay. Once again, y'all, this is the Creative Breakthrough Podcast. The podcast was created to eliminate the starving artists and give you the codes to build cash flow audiences and make a living doing what you love, like Bree did. So if you want to stay in tune with the podcast, follow me. And we do this every week, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you. Peace and love, gang.